Episode 4, Part 2 of the Stand Up DJ Podcast. Welcome back to the second part of episode four. I'm Adam Shinemra, your host at Stand Up DJ Podcast. And if you haven't already listened to part one, I'd advise you to go and check that out first as that chat with Laura gives us a bit of background about improv as a whole. And we learn about that style of comedy as well as some of the workshops. And this, as a bonus episode, uh, I didn't even really know (laughs) I was going to get to interview Adam, which is always fun interviewing someone else with the same name as you. Um, But... When we went in, as I outlined in the first episode, how I got in contact with Laura, it just happened that Adam was there and was kind enough to give us some of his time as well. So it was a bit shorter than our regular time, close to a sort of 30-minute episode. This one was uh, about uh, 10 minutes in in duration for our chat. It was a um, pretty quick but in-depth chat, and I appreciate Adam's time. So thanks again to Adam and everyone at the Improv Conspiracy, and I'll pass over to the episode. Cool. Okay. Um, thanks, Adam, for joining us today. If you'd like to maybe introduce yourself, tell us your name and what you do here. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, my name is Adam Kangas, and I'm the founder and artistic director of the Improv Conspiracy Theatre. And uh, I moved to Melbourne about 10 years ago and really, really wanted to find a place to join up as a performer. Uh, I'm, I came from Los Angeles, where okay. improv theatres and comedy theatres are like a really big, like well-known thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're living in Los Angeles and you, you know, want to take a comedy class, there are... Uh, maybe like 10 different places, maybe even more now that you wow. could, you know, spend your money and then go learn how to, you know, do improv, how mm-hmm. to write sketch comedy, how to, you know, uh, do stand up, all those things. Mm. And when I moved here, there really wasn't a place to, to do that. Okay. So I ended up starting one. Started your own. Cool. And so that was around, I think I had October 2011 was when you did your first private workshops here and then 2012 when it officially opened. Is that roughly how long you've been going for? Or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, because a place like this didn't exist yet, it was kind of hard to get mm. it bootstrapped. Uh, people, you know, weren't really interested in taking classes, so I had to, to trick people, essentially. Okay. Uh, get my mates involved <laughs> and, like, you know, bribe them with beer. Like, hey, you know, sure. like, come have beers, we'll do some improv, then we'll, you know, like, have some fun and, and drink. Um, that usually goes hand in hand with comedy and performing, so... Yeah. It sounds like it's the same with improv. How do you see the relationship, because... Obviously, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is pretty well renowned. I think it's been running. Was it the twenty fifth year this year, or I can't remember? Sounds how. about right. Something yeah, I think. Like that. Yeah. So, um, coming from America, you came from LA. Is that where you were, or you were just living there for a little bit? And you mentioned they've got so many theaters over there, or, or styles of comedy. How did you find that officially breaking into to Melbourne? And like, how do you see the relationship between improv versus stand up comedy? Oh, well, like the comedy festival here is incredible. It's always been incredible. Uh, when I first moved here, even before we had, you know, this company and, and um, you know, the, the improv uh, scene in Melbourne really blossoming, mm. just that festival was, and still is, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I forget what, what the... Oh, just was. like, I, I guess, um, what the the relationship or even the the differences that you find between stand-up because i think melbourne stand-up comedy scenes pretty like 
there's a fair bit going on um, and improv is like are you finding that it's finding its own life in Melbourne or is it still um, not uh, I guess less popular or like less people know about it like are you finding you're, you're building that scene like how how has that been flourishing since you've opened the 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 theater yourself okay great 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 yeah when uh i first started this company i think a lot of the stand-ups in melbourne were a bit apprehensive of this uh of this improv thing i think we kind of get <laughs> got looked down on a bit as like the you know like the the dorky kid brother okay of stand-up but uh i think many years later i think we're getting a lot of respect and there's a lot of cross-pollination um you know, stand-ups right. who are dipping their toes in the water of improv and realizing that it's actually really good and they're recommending it to their uh, stand-up friends. They're mm-hmm. coming on board. And then similarly, improvisers are, you know, um, wanting more of a challenge. And after doing improv for a few years, are going out to uh, open mics and doing mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. And people in that community are like, wow, where did you come from? We had no idea that you existed. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm doing improv conspiracy for a few years now. Yeah, right. Uh, so I think the respect is building and I'm really happy about that uh, because I've known for a long time that we're, you know, legit. Great. It seems the, um, like just looking at, at some videos online and um, looking at your extensive and impressive list of, um, I guess, teammates or people who have come through here. It seems to be a big focus on um, performance opportunities, developing skills, the community side of things, fun and friendship. Like there seems to be quite a community that you you've sort of built up here and um how have you sort of fostered that and and like grown that by creating a safe space for people to to explore their their comedy or like performing in yeah the community aspect of uh, a theater like this is incredibly important because uh like to go to my own case, when I was coming up in Los Angeles and taking my first few improv classes, I was not naturally good at it. And if not for the fact that it's a very supportive, warm environment, I would mm. have quit, you know, maybe you know, after a few classes. Um, but by having a warm, supportive place where, uh, you know, we have events like a, a weekly jam where you come down and put your name in the hat. If you get drawn, uh, your name gets drawn, you go on stage, do a little improv set. And whether you do well or not, people are like warm and receptive and happy to have you there. Mm-hmm. And I think just having that positive experience makes people want to keep coming back and trying and trying and eventually most people tend to get quite good it just takes them different amounts of time okay uh, but having that that warmth i think um mm. you know takes people who maybe would need like an extra nudge to get over a hump they're willing to actually spend the time to uh you know work on their stuff right because uh, comedy is terrifying especially when you're beginning and totally. uh, you know, if you go to an open mic and, and bomb, uh, you know, it's that might end your career <laughs> <Been there>. entirely. <laughs> but that's part of the, the growing process. I think you've, you've kind of got to bomb to firstly overcome it and realize it's not the end of the world. Um, and one of the frameworks, we're, we're not really calling them rules, but they were saying there's no, one of the things you need to get over is trying not to be funny. So what, is there a bombing in improv? Is it just like, how would someone fail? Because as opposed to like an open mic night, like doing stand up, you get up there and you don't get any laughs back. Whereas with improv, you know, it's a scene and you've got teammates to bounce off of. Like, can you bomb? Like, what what would you say is, is something that? Oh yeah, you, you can definitely you can definitely bomb. <laughs> okay. Uh, something that 
really, really incredible about improv is that you're normally doing it with other people, like you said, teammates. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the major ways you can bomb is to kind of retreat into your own mind and stop interacting and and acknowledging and working with your teammates who are there. Uh, the instant that you're worried about whether you are going to get a laugh, you might have kind of you know shortchanged your scene partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we all want laughs. We want things to go well, but the uh, like your personal ego is what's going to hurt things. And I totally get it. You know, like you want to do a good job, but um, like the instant that you're more concerned about how you're going uh, versus uh, just literally responding to the person who's across the stage from you, uh, that's where the trouble comes. Sure. Cool. Um, so we talked a, a bit in depth um, about the improv conspiracy uh, with Laura, but like um, from your side, what have you got coming up post COVID? Like obviously the, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival not going ahead this year was a big blow for a lot of people, myself included. Um, so what are some of the workshops you've got coming up um, post June and looking towards the next six to 12 months? Like what are you sort of um hoping for or how are you positioning the business yeah so for a few years now we've had a sketch comedy writing program and it's a very good program but people were always more interested in taking the improv classes and fair enough like those are great as well Mm -hmm. uh but one of the biggest i guess silver linings of the covid crisis is that for a while we couldn't run any improv classes at all and we are getting those back uh, in the next month or so um but a lot of people have been trying our online sketch comedy writing classes and realizing like, wow, these are actually fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, like I know we've been, we've had these for years now. Um, so more exposure to the sketch writing program, I think is incredible. And Mm -hmm. the fact that we will be able to offer them in person again, but also online, I think will allow us to, you know, reach people who aren't actually in like the Metro Melbourne Mm -hmm. area, uh, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, the coolest thing will be, uh, the, the, the sketch, writing program um but improv as well like we a lot of theaters out there were offering improv classes online and we didn't feel that we could do that in a way that actually was as good as the in-person uh program but luckily we are getting those back and we you know hopefully um you know it'll be challenging because we won't have for the time being the performances to go along with those classes normally you know you do an end of term show with Mm -hmm. your your classmates for your friends and family okay uh but the classes themselves are still plenty fun and hopefully those will you know continue to to grow great yeah i I did a little run through for my first time it does seem like a lot of fun it sounds like you've got a a great community here and um yeah all the best i hope it you know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel soon and the, the restrictions ease up and you can get some performers and um, some theatre back up and running again. So um, people can find you at improvconspiracy.com on all the socials at Improv Conspiracy or at Twitter at TIC Improv. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add or drop in before we go? Uh, no, thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Cheers. Signing off again, Adam here, Shinemre this time. Thanks to Adam Kangas and Laura Buskus, both at the Improv Conspiracy. Check them out via the website, improvconspiracy.com. All the links and show notes from this episode, part one and part two, uh, will be on my website, standupdj.com.au. If you enjoyed it, please share this episode with some friends and uh, I'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Bye for now.